Blog Talk Radio. You know, I have you around for a reason, believe it or not, and it's certainly not your good look. No, it's not. Okay, well, there's a reason, and that's your reason, folks. It's that, that, that. I mean... Now, our early game out in London, I don't think the Rams have a firepower. I'm going Giants. On a national level, how big do you think a Cubs versus Indians World Series would be? Go wild saying Ricky Vaughn. Hey, here's the Terminator. If you if you get a piece of it, you can rename it. Hi everybody, this is Ken Danico, three-time Stanley Cup champion of the New Jersey Devils, and you are listening to the hard-hitting Fantasy Jester Show. Bam! Bangers and mash, just like that. What in the name of bangers and mash am I talking about tonight? Fantasy Jester Show. That's right. It's me coming to you live. As always, Leesburg, Florida. How's everybody doing? Oh, my God. It's so damn beautiful out. It is. It is gorgeous out. I hope it is as nice wherever you are tuning in, whenever you tune into this, whether it's live here on Pop Talk Radio for that crystal clear sound or any of the others that, you know, afterwards will be archived, whether it's uh, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, Spreaker, Lisbon, Buzzsprout, Audio Boom, Simplecast. I'm getting faster at that. We also have Spotify and also going to be adding iHeartRadio and Alexa shortly. So I'm going to have to really get fast at that. <sighs> Who's ready for tonight? This is good. What the name of bangers and mash. That's a good one. I like that one. Uh, this week on the show, all week, Jester has been saying he's got to get back to his old ways. Oh, Lord, no. I, wait a second now. My old way, I just meant... It's been difficult. Uh, As the show continues to progress in the direction that we all know it's going, I've had to go ahead and try and really temper it back a little bit. So, uh, and people have wondered, where is the jester we all know and love? I'm here. Listen, I don't yes everybody to death, and neither does JT at any given time, okay? So, uh, but the oh Lord no part, uh, that's for the people who really don't know what I was like at the beginning of all this, coming out tearing into everybody. And uh, well, I still might before the day's over. I know I've got a good rant tonight because, well, anyway, we'll get to that rant. For those of you new to the show, I have a rant. That's right. I have a rant. And um, far be it for me to say it, it's usually really good. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so JT, it says here, JT, and this is, I'm reading off uh, the screen for blog talk, and if you're sitting there watching, I, I, we throw up a bunch of pictures for you to all enjoy. Our sponsors are on there and all that. So have fun looking at the pictures while I go ahead, read what the producers have written for today's show. So JT will have his work cut out for him as they bring you. JT always has his work cut out for him with me. He'll be the first one to tell you that. NBA playoffs predictions haven't been bad. So what is the jester going on about? I, I, I just only the NBA could do something. And I can't wait to get to the playoffs. Surprising as that may be for some, 
that I'm actually looking forward to talking about the NBA. Yeah, I, I've got to on this one. NHL playoffs. Predictions have been mixed. Uh, since there's no Pittsburgh, no Devils, both Jester and JT are likely to not be happy campers. Stop it. Stop. Stop. We're grown, man. We realize we can't win all the time. And listen, hey, JT's coming off of having a, a, a team that is two-time standing Stanley Cup champions. I don't know how bitter he really is right now. Uh, we're happy because, you know, we're going to play it. We had Ken Danico of the New Jersey Devils, uh, three-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, you have to throw that part in. It's well-deserved. He gave picks earlier in the season, and we're going to play that and see how close he was. Uh, uh, putting Dano on the spot here for all of you. We're going to play that. MLB, the crop report. <laughs> you know, what can be said about this great new segment that has gained a lot of attention? Wow, that is the truth, folks. Fantasy baseball players have already gained from these farm reports. Also, a little bonus from the guys after. Yeah, listen, you know, I have, it's not even my damn segment. So it's not like, oh, well, hey, there goes Jester patting himself on the back again. No, it's not my segment. It's JT's, it's Tate's. And they've been knocking it out of the park. If you've been listening, you're staying ahead of the curve on the guys that are getting called up. I mean, they have been nailing it week after week. And again, tonight, another great edition of that. Plus, JT and I have a couple other things, a couple other players we want you to take a look at that maybe uh, should be on your radar moving forward. NFL, Jester, and JT do what they do best. Take fantasy football and your needs for the coming season. Yeah, we have every take imaginable that we can give you regarding fantasy football, whether it's offense, defense, and all that. So we're going to start to go ahead and little by little really talk to you all about some players that we're watching and you should watch as well as we go ahead now and get ready for training camp can july come soon enough and uh but in the meantime we're keeping an eye on the news for all the teams for all of you and we bring it all thanks to fantasy jester sports um, what in the name of bangers and mash probably didn't make sense until you understood what my rant was going to be about my rant is simple you know, the NFL has been playing in London, and Shahid, known as Shad Khan, the owner of Mrs. Jester's Jacksonville Jags, has, you know, he's, first of all, no relation to Chaka Khan. Uh, had to, sorry, couldn't let that one go. But honestly, he owns the Jaguars. He owns Fulham. They are an English football league team. He is now trying to buy Wembley Stadium, and, and it looks like it's going to happen. The English League wants the money to go ahead and be able to develop its own product and turn Wembley Stadium back to a private owner it, what, that, like it once was. So he's likely to go ahead. And, yes, he does have that kind of money. He has, he's like the 158th richest man in the world, not in America, in the world. Eight, folks, that's up there. 
And he's self-made. He's a self-made millionaire. I mean, this guy's just smart. He did it on a, he had a $550,000 SBA loan and 16000 in savings and turned it into bumpers, car bumpers. And now he's about to buy Wembley, which begs the question that nobody, <laughs> I don't get this. Nobody sees this coming down the pike. How is this not an issue? First, it's likely the Jags are going to be going to Wembley to play their games. Now, let's think one step further. What do all teams that get a new stadium have a crack at? That's right, the Super Bowl. Do you understand that there's a chance that the great American game of football could have its championship game played on foreign soil. I don't understand that one damn bit. See, people are worried about where the old jester is. Talk to me about this one for about 10 minutes and find out really how I stand. So I'm not going to. I'm going to stop right there, and hopefully you can understand by the tone in my voice how sickening I find that. So why don't we bring in JT and have a good time? Rant over. Have a great one, folks. Enjoy the rest of the show. Let's get him in here. The one, the only. You know him as my sidekick through everything I do. JT, Jason Townsend. How are you tonight, man? Uh, Jester, doing good. Coming to you live, as always, Dallas, Texas. You know, I'm, I'm listening to your rant, man, and I got to say, to me, it's no big deal. The, the game's changing. The world's changing. You know, we get uh, you know, we get their football, their soccer. We get games over here. Uh, championship games, no, but still, the world's changing. Time to change with it. You know, I just I look at the commissioner they have in that front office, and I think, hey, it's Roger Goodell. What numbnuts move could he do next? Well, I think you just previewed it in your rant. So, like you said, it's coming. Expect it. Deal with it. Move on. That's today's NFL. That's today's sports world. I don't want to change. <laughs> I'm too old. Well, we got to stuff to talk about here. You know, and this is, that goes out to all the people that say you can't teach an old dog a new trick. Well, stop trying to teach me a new trick and put my game, the, the best game of the world, okay, their championship game in another country. Mm. No, I hear you, but some, uh, you know, some civilizations also took their uh, old hunters that were too old to hunt and stick them on an iceberg and let them float out to sea. I mean, you know, I don't think you like that either. You, you don't want to go along with that. Time, time to adja- adapt and change, my friend. Adapt and change. I don't do well with cold. You're, you're correct, sir. That's no, you I don't. No, you really don't. No. So, all right, you got me there. Let's go, NBA. Let's go have some uh, NBA playoffs. It is Cavaliers, Boston Celtics, Golden State, Houston. Before we go into the whole prediction part of this, and if I may, you know, for those of you uh, just getting back to his old ways, that's right. I have to a little, folks. 
How the hell does Dwayne Casey get fired after seven years where now follow me for one second here. Just one second entertain this stupidity of mine. In six okay. of those seven years, the team improved. This past year, the, they had a franchise best 59 wins. Now, if those two aren't enough, for his work this year, by the other men who do his job, he was voted best amongst his peers. I guess they felt sorry for him? I don't know. <laughs> but you know what? Here's what happens if you get swept by the Cavaliers or if you bench DeMar DeRozan, you get fired. That part I don't understand at all. Then you're saying no, – I, I, Hold on. And I'll let you go ahead. But listen, then you're simply saying Belichick got the okay. Belichick gets the the uh, push on that one, okay? You look the other way. When he didn't start his co- starting cornerback and he kept him out all game during a game where a backup quarterback is torching you for the Super Bowl. I mean, that's well, the same damn thing. That's, it is, but it's not. Okay, how many rings does Dwayne Casey have on his hand? And I'm not talking about wedding ring either. Zero. Belichick gets a pass. Belichick has five Super Bowls. He's been there, I done that. that. He also wasn't getting straight mollywomped in the series like Toronto was. Let's be honest. Toronto got absolutely embarrassed. They weren't just getting beat, okay? They were getting beat down in 48 out of the 50 states. The Cavaliers were then thrown in jail for what they did to Toronto. So, so let's be realistic. Toronto didn't just get beat. They got embarrassed. And the organization feels, you know what? Oh, the captain is always responsible for his crew. And the coach is the captain. Therefore, the responsibility lies on his shoulders. He was voted best captain amongst the other ships. Hey, that, that's great. What have you done for me lately? You took me into the Eastern Conference. You got yourself embarrassed by the Cavaliers. Time to go, buddy. Hit the road. We'll get somebody else in here. <laughs> Fix it. Just like Tampa Bay Buccaneers did with Tony Dungy. He caught him to the precipice, could never get him over. They trade two draft picks for John Gruden. He wins the Super Bowl. Next man up. Hit the road. Yeah, that'll work for you. Anyway, uh, Cavaliers, Boston. Ah. Who do you got? And why? I mean, you look at you look at this. If Boston, the antithesis of each other, you got you got LeBron James, thirty four points a game in the playoffs. Then you look who's Boston's leading scorer, third pick in the draft, Jason Tatum out of Duke at eighteen point eight points a game. Uh, Al Horford, the glue to keep that team together. Rozier has stepped into Kyrie Irving's spot seamlessly, uh, averaging just over eighteen point six assists a game. So it's the young guys doing it for Boston. The young guys didn't do so well for Philadelphia against Cleveland, so I wonder if that playoff experience that Cleveland possesses isn't going to carry them through in this series. As much as I know this kind of thing is going to put me straight over the falls, Cleveland in six. Uh, I'm going to say I was going Cleveland, but I'll go. I think Boston's going to push it all the way. 
I saw, I see seven games out of this. I definitely, I don't think this is going to go, uh, I, I, they're going to get more of a fight. This isn't Toronto. This is, this is a, this is a Boston team that has some swagger to it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that if you ask me was missing from Toronto. And to me, that doesn't come necessarily all from the coach. That comes from your team players, your team leaders. You know, Cleveland carries itself because LeBron carries himself like LeBron. If LeBron Mm -hmm. wasn't there, okay, that team wouldn't have half the swagger. So you got to have the leader on your team. And Boston has that. I I think really – you're going to see this go down to game seven between these two. Now, Golden State, Houston, it's interesting because um, we've talked about this possibly happening, and boom, here it is. What is your prediction on it, JT? Give it to us. Well, you know, you look at the playoffs, or should we say this? This is the four teams. These are the four teams in the NBA that matter. If you look at this out in the Western Conference, uh, Houston's finally living up. James Harden finally living up. To, uh, to the billing, I look at Golden State and I see a frail and fragile team. Um, you know, whether it's you know, Curry, you know, he gets nicked up here and misses this game. Clay Thompson gets nicked up and misses that game. Durant seems to be more of a fragile player since he's gone out west to Golden State. I just look at Houston and I see a little bit more of a hard-nosed team. I see a tougher team and I see a more physical team. On top of that, you got the best player in the Western Conference, in my opinion, and James Harden, maybe the NBA, some would argue LeBron, I would take Harden. I think this is where James Harden punches through, gets the Rockets to the finals. And I, and I say that in six games as well. Does he actually punch his way through before it's all no, said you know, and you know, done? You never know. With number, number of punches landed during these series between – uh, and I'll just take him or Draymond. Oh, Draymond's a thug. Draymond's just an absolute thug, which is exactly what you need in the playoffs. If this were hockey, he'd be called an enforcer, the Marty McSorley type. So, uh, you know, Draymond does his role, but I'm sorry, Harden can, Harden can affect every facet of the game. He can pass the ball. He can rebound the ball. He can drive the ball. He can shoot from distance. I just think this is his chance to get through. And I look forward to seeing Houston in the final. Listen, I, I have it like this. I have Houston in six as well, but I also have six as the over-under of number of punches thrown during this series. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious. Oh, it's playoffs. There should be. There should be some physicality. Once upon a time, that used to be basketball, a little bit more physical. I hope. I hope we get to see the boys play the game a little bit. And not get those cheap calls. I, I really do. I, I hope well, see, that's you know, where this all goes. My my off season NBA goal, you know, when the NBA's off season rolls around, is to start the Charles Oakley um, for for commissioner campaign. Get rid of Adam mm-hmm. Silver. The guy's never picked up a basketball in his entire life. Hit the road, Jack. Let's get somebody like Charles Oakley in there. Make the NBA great again, if you will. So. Uh, Definitely like to see some more physical old school basketball going on. Nice, nice. Before we go ahead and get into the NHL, folks, um, 
Our lovely spokesperson, as you all know, Mrs. Jester, does our uh, commercials for us. And she did the most recent one for Miami Sunglasses. And it's probably the last time we'll play this one. I have to buy Mrs. Jester dinner, it seems, in order for her to come back into the studio and redo it. That's the cost of fame, I guess. I mean, she is really, I have going to have to start talking to her people in order to get her in here. Um, and, and that's the truth, practically. I mean, this woman is so busy. We're going with the old Miami Sunglasses commercial this week. You'll see. I like it a little bit better, but I love her. And we'll get her in here again. And we'll have the new one next week. Enjoy. Miami Sunglasses. Whether you are starting a small business, hosting a fundraiser, or have had a store for years, Miami Sunglasses is your direct source for quality wholesale sunglasses at the best prices. With over 800 styles to choose from, there is something for everyone. Check out their low prices today. That's Miami Sunglasses. Check out Mrs. Jester too much. Yeah, Miami Sunglasses, guys. Absolutely fantastic. And now it is it's helped me because... Of the wide range of sunglasses that I have, and including the Tundras, which are just phenomenal, uh, they sent me all the different colors of X-Loop as well. And uh, it's helped me go ahead and change up my repertoire of beard colors. If you've seen the Cinco de Mayo picture running past you on the screen right now as you're watching on Blog Talk Radio there, you'll see... So a nice pair of X-Loop, my orange pair, going with my Cinco de Mayo beard. That's right, MiamiSunglasses.com, just like FantasyJester.com. Folks, I want to say, first of all, before we get JT back in here, we've got some really good news going on. We are currently working on a whole new, brand spanking new studio. One that's going to include me on live video. That's right. <laughs> a bunch of you have asked, why don't I do live videos? Why don't I do a video podcast? I really never imagined anybody would want to see little old me on video. And uh, I thought I was really sparing everybody by not doing it. Turns out there's a call to see what does Bluebeard do or whatever color I'm wearing today, and that'll be interesting. What does he do while he's on air? I don't know. There seems to be a call for it. Not a problem. We're going to bring it. We're bringing a whole new studio. We're going to have different camera angles, and behind me, a large screen, so we can go ahead and play all kinds of cool stuff behind me, too. Really looking forward to that on the YouTube channel. Next week, we're going to have a couple of other announcements, including some of the players that are coming down the pike. Some of the ones that are coming in the, in the coming weeks are going to be current Miami Dolphins player on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to have Walt Aikens on the show. He's going to join us for a Fins on Fins, our monthly segment. It's been interesting. Ryan has a lot of great inside stuff being inside that locker room on a regular and uh, going diving with the guys as a regular. Looking forward to a dive that's coming up. I can't mention yet uh, who I'll be with with Ryan, uh, but I promise I'll be able to tell you after. Also looking to have uh, 
one of the Miami Dolphin legends on the show over the next week or two. And again, we're getting with his people. We've been going back and forth with Mark Duper. Super Duper will be joining the show. JT and I are really looking forward to bringing you those guests and more as the Fancy Jester show continues now our third year. Thank you for all the support. We love you. Let's go ahead and continue. Let's go ahead and continue with some NHL real quick. And one of the things that we were lucky to have before, you know, let's see, this was just before the Super Bowl. We had Kenny Danico on and we were talking about the Super Bowl and we were also talking about his picks during the, for the NHL playoffs and for the Stanley Cup. Here's what Kenny had to say on the show, and then I'll bring JT back in, and we'll talk NHL playoffs. Who's your favorite here at the halfway point that you feel really has the core and the uh, consistency to go ahead and uh, pull this off this year? Well, heck, I'm an underdog, so why not the shock of the hockey world right now, the Vegas Knights? (laughs) They don't seem to lose (laughs) They outshoot their opponents, and they're, they're relentless, so who knows? Uh, but all kidding aside, I know it's going to be difficult, but I, boy, have they been uh, fun to watch and been a team that it's remarkable what they've been able to do in their first year. And a lot of guys playing with a chip on their shoulder. They're well-balanced. They're good in goal. They're, they've been so much fun. Playoffs is a different animal. We will see, but I certainly don't think any team's going to enjoy, and they're definitely going to make the playoffs. I don't think there's going to be many teams that want to play Vegas in the first round because in a seven-game series, just the style they play and the attacking style and in-your-face 24-7 every game, it seems they could be a difficult team. But if you're you're looking at a team that's, you know, well-balanced and if they stay healthy, they're missing Hedman right now. It's Tampa Bay Lightning. They look like a team that's going to be real tough to beat, but that's what's so great about our game is – in the National Hockey League, it's so competitively balanced. Come playoff time, there's upsets, there's different teams. That's what gives fans of who, no matter what team you root for, uh, hope that just get in the playoffs and anything can happen. And, and uh, it certainly rings true in the National Hockey League. There's no question in my mind. Seven-game series is a different animal, and, and sometimes you get a team's number, even a team that's had a better regular season than you. So it should be a lot of fun with the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, from my standpoint, and like I said, Vegas Knights are a dark, dark horse, but why not continue this miracle run? Uh, but there's so many good teams. There's a handful you can look around the National Hockey League and, and certainly believe that uh, they could have a chance. But one that stands out, obviously, for me right now is Tampa. Wow. Wow. And here we sit, Washington versus Tampa, Vegas uh-huh. versus Winnipeg. JT? Vegas has uh, got their hands full tonight with the Jets already down three to one. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know we'll see we'll see what happens there. I look at it and say you look at the Western Conference. Obviously Vegas hasn't been to the Stanley Cup Finals, and believe it or not, the Jets over 46 years of different existence have yet to make the Stanley Cup Finals. So you're going to see a new representative regardless from the Western Conference. So unlike the NBA where it's basically the usual suspects, the NHL actually giving us um, a little parody, if you will, to use Roger Goodell's favorite word. Listen to what Ken Danico has to say. How can you argue with the three, uh, you know, three-time Stanley Cup champion? But leave it to me; I'll argue with him. Uh, at this point, I think the Caps are on a roll. The Caps 
are the team, the one team that has always been their bugaboo is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's gotten them in the playoffs many, many, many times. And the Caps enact a little revenge, exact little revenge, knock the Penguins off the throne. I think that they're going to springboard that into the Stanley Cup Finals. And I see a Jets-Caps Finals uh, in our soon in our future. Mm, I don't know. I've got to... I'm going to go with this one. I don't completely agree with Dano. I don't completely agree with you. Uh, I happen to go on my own little route here, and I follow one of the things that I've mentioned several times. It's just like, you know, if you talk about football, you say defense wins championships. If you're talking about baseball, pitching wins world championships. If you're talking hockey, goaltending wins championships. I'm going to lean to the two teams that have two of the finalists for the Vesna Trophy this year in Tampa and Winnipeg because those two obviously have the better goaltending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in my eyes, Tampa is just as seasoned as Washington. So and, and when I take a look at this matchup and look past it even, not only do I say Tampa-Winnipeg, I know I'm going to hear it as a homer, but I can see Tampa, because they have all that experience, being able to sneak past a very strong, very underrated Winnipeg team. Mm-hmm. Going mm-hmm. forward, where do, you well, see the, you know, where do you see the finals going then? If you've got Washington, Minnesota, where do you see that ending? Well, Washington, uh, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, I mean. Um, yeah, I don't like the wild. I'm sorry. I'm like, yeah, I, I just can't do it. Uh, no, I don't. Blame I look you. at that. I look at that, and I think this is the Caps year. They got over that team. If you know, in, in in several different sports, when you get past that team that's been able to keep you under their thumb for so long, it really just springboards you forward. And I think this is the Caps year. Um, I look at you, and again, you know, you and I have been known to disagree from time to time. It has happened, uh, but you told me that last year when we talked. Predator versus Penguins, the hot goaltender, which was uh, Pekka Rene at the time, and we saw what happened to the hot goaltender. That 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 burner can get turned down to low awful quick in the NHL. You get against a strong team. So I look at that and I still say caps to the finals, and I do think they beat Winnipeg. Uh, and I'm actually going to take that as a five-game series. I don't really think that will be much of a series. Eastern Conference is that much stronger this year. In a five-game so you know given... See No, the East is the cream of the crop in hockey this year. You know, where you look in the it's been generally, you know, the Western Conference and NBA for the last several several years. The Eastern Conference in hockey is the stronger conference and I think they will prevail in five games. Hmm. I'd say if it's Tampa Winnipeg, hmm, how many games? Uh, I think Winnipeg's a little stronger than people are giving them credit for. I'd go Tampa, but I'd just go with six games in that one. I really, I really believe this whole time Winnipeg really has not gotten the credit that they deserve. Just simply from uh, yeah. a gold standing standpoint. And you know what else mm-hmm. from this? One of the things that people also don't talk about, Patrick Liney. Oh, he is a he's a superstar that uh, nobody 
nobody right. outside of the West Coast or true deep hockey fans knows. If this cat played on the East Coast team, imagine oh, if he yeah. played for New York or Boston. Right. Boston oh or Pittsburgh, God. somewhere in the, you know, the, uh, one of these teams that are the darlings of the media, so to speak. Yeah, it would be a household name. No doubt, no doubt. Well, folks, a bunch of you have been waiting for it. We've con- got to continue moving on and, and get right to it. I've mentioned it earlier before, and it really is an absolutely fantastic segment as we, we are very proud to bring it each and every week for you fantasy baseball players. Without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead. No, not even an intro tonight. I was going to play an intro. Let's just go right to the crop report. It is the crop report time, and I'm just going to go ahead, kick it right off to the guys. We're bringing them back in. We've got JT. We've got Tate Dello. Of course, folks, I've been explaining to everybody, you got to go ahead, listen to these guys. When you are playing your fantasy baseball leagues, these are the guys to tell you that are players to watch that are going to help you win your leagues. A lot of you dynasty people pay attention as well. People that you should be scooping up if they're either on your waiver wire or on other teams, go out and get them. JT Tate, what do you have for us tonight? Well, I'll start off tonight uh, with the crop report here. First guy I want to talk about is uh, Eloy Jimenez. He's a 21-year-old right fielder with with the White Sox organization currently batting down in double uh, A with the Birmingham Barons, the former team of uh, one Michael Jordan. But uh, he's hit, he's played 20 games this year, 81 at bats, 18 runs, 28 hits, eight for doubles, seven for home runs, and 23 RBIs. He's also sporting five walks with 13 strikeouts, puts him at a 346 batting average, 375 on base, 704 slugging, and a 1.079 OPS. Uh, another uh, little tidbit, he's currently, as we're recording this, just got another hit, 14-game uh, hit streak got, got he's going on, and he's also looking for his 10th straight multi-hit game tonight. So Eloy Jimenez is somebody to keep an eye on. He was uh, brought over to the White Sox from the Cubs back in uh, 2017 in the Jose Quintana deal. So, uh there you go, Eloy Jimenez, first guy to keep an eye on. Okay. All right. Say, say yeah, that, you know, when do you do you expect to see him uh, up with the big club anytime this year? The White Sox having a rough season. Um, you know, some people one one side of it, you say, hey, you know, let's get the kid up, get him some useful bats when it's not going to hurt the team. Others say, no, 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 let's protect that service clock. Uh, you know, more control. So if you're the White Sox right now, what's your thoughts on? bringing him up to the show well with Eloy right now my my guess is if he were to come up this year it's probably not until September call-ups when the rosters expand but uh he's only got 320 games in the minors from he started in 2014 in the minors he's only played in 320 games 12 just over 100 at bats overall so I'm I'm seeing him as being somebody that uh the White Sox aren't going to bring up until maybe September call-ups with, like I said, with rosters expansion, but uh, probably not somebody you'll see for next till next year, maybe June of next year, but a uh, year, year, year and a half down the road for him. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to the, uh, out to the mound. Guy I want to talk about now, 
for all you listening out there, I want to talk about guys on the crop report that will be here soon. But I also want to talk about those guys that are playing in dynasty leagues becoming a lot more prevalent out there when you see different fantasy leagues. The dynasty leagues are becoming popular. Guys to keep an eye on, stash on your list, uh, maybe look at for next year. But a kid named Cal Quantrill, the number four prospect in the San Diego Padres organization, first-round pick in 2016, former uh, son of former major leaguer Paul Quantrill. You may remember that name. So let's talk about Cal. He made three starts at Stanford. Then he had to go to the unfortunate Tommy John surgery. Hurt him a little bit in his draft stock. Padres got a chance to see this kid throw several bullpen sessions out of Petco and decided to make this kid a first-round pick. Uh, plus fastball, plus plus changeup. Changeup seems to be his best pitch, which if you have a pitcher in the minors that can throw it, a really good changeup, I think you're going to see him ascend a lot quicker than you will someone like Michael Kopech, for example, who we've talked about in the corrupt report before. The thing holding him back is he needs to develop his changeup. So, this kid's got a lot. His arsenal is fantastic. Uh, 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball, low 80s changeup that has movement at the end. His slider needs a little bit of work, but it is something I know they have him working on. This is a kid I think can probably be a number two starter once he reaches his potential in the majors. Uh, this season he's 2-2 two and two with a 3.52 ERA in seven games started, just over 38 innings pitched, 35 Ks. So, you can see the potential. He pitches in a tough league, but Cal Quantrill, somebody you definitely want to keep an eye on as the season goes forward. All right, and keeping it with pitching, I'll jump in there. My second guy that I'll be talking about this evening that was also a pitcher. He happens to be a guy by the name of Justice Sheffield. Uh, he's got the potential of possibly being up sometime late this year, possibly if if there's an injury they may call him up for a spot start type of thing but more likely a next year guy uh he was just recently moved from uh double a trenton up to the triple a team in uh scranton wilkes bar but um actually on may 3rd made his first start up in uh triple a but uh he's pitching six games total this year in the minors he's got a uh five games at trenton he went one and two with a 2.25 ERA and a 1.07 WHIP. Uh, the the fun thing with him: 28 innings and 39 strikeouts and only 14 walks. So uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on. He kind of struggled a little bit in his first start at Scranton Wilkes Bar. He only went 4.2 innings, gave up four hits, two runs, four walks, and six Ks. So he's sporting a 3.86 ERA there in. Uh, the AAA level so far in just one game, but uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, interesting thing with him is he came over to the Yankees from the Cleveland organization when the Yankees uh, sent Andrew Miller over to the Indians back in uh, 2016. Mm. So uh, he he's part of that deal along with another guy by the name of Clint Frazier that a lot of people are really high on in the Yankees organization as well. And has already seen some time up in the majors, but uh, justice Sheffield, Definitely uh, a nice uh, young pr- pitching prospect. He's a left-hander and uh, 21 years old, actually turns 22 on May the 13th. So keep an eye on Justice Sheffield. Interesting. You know, I mean, his, his, his move to AAA, I actually like the Yankees doing that. I think this kid has the potential to come up sooner rather than later. 
and I do think this is a guy uh, sort of like the role that the Brewers are using Josh Hader in. Long reliever, get him used to the major leagues, get him a taste of it, and then stretch him out into a starter. So can't wait to see him come up. This well, guy one, I want to talk one about, more though. quick, one more quick stat with Justice Sheffield um, before you move on to your other guy. Um, he's only he's in the minors so far since 2014, 404 innings, 429 strikeouts. So kind of keep an eye on that with the K's. Nice. So, Brendan Rodgers, Colorado Rockies organization, number one prospect for that. Shortstop, second base, number three um, overall shortstop prospect. I see his, I see this kid's career more at second base, but let's talk about the offense side of the game. Let's see where he's going to talk fantasy. This kid has above average hit tools across the board, uh, average power. He's got a little bit of speed as well. Um, hit 336 last season in 89 games between Class A and Double A. 18 home runs in those 89 games. So he possesses a lot more upside than most middle infield prospects. He's got the power. Like I said, he's hit for average. Real smooth right-handed swing. Seems like he gets really good contact. You think about the ballpark that this kid's going to be playing in. He cores. Basically, if you get good contact in that park, you've got a chance at any point. And then you add this kid's power to it on top of that. Can't wait to see him come up. Um, defensively, I don't think – well, let's just talk with the scouts thing for now. The scouts say he doesn't have the speed or agility, in their opinion, to be an everyday shortstop. They feel his better position is third base. Well, third base is kind of locked down with Nolan Arenado. Second base – D.J. LeMahieu is a free agent at the end of this year, and I don't see the Rockies spending the money to sign him. So this is where I think this kid's going to slot in. We take a look at what he's done through 29 games so far this year, 111 at-bats. He's had six home runs, 22 RBIs, uh, batting 288, five doubles. I'd like to see him get an extra base hit a little bit more. Seems to be uh, He gets pull happy every once in a while. Seems like uh, he hits into that shift. You've been noticing some of these teams starting to shift against him. So really like to see this kid evolve a little bit more. We will see him soon. I think it'll be before June 1st. Stash this kid on your roster. He has all-star potential in the middle infield. Nice. Good stuff, guys. It leaves me with several questions and I'm going to bounce back and forth between the two of you as I hit some of these with uh, what you've given great, great stuff. But, you know, first, I, I guess I want to ask Tate uh, one to 10, one to 10, 10 being, yes, uh, we see him. You said September, maybe a call up on Eloy Jimenez on a scale of one to 10. What are you giving me on that September call up? For this year, I'd say yeah. it's prob- probably honestly right in that four to five range. It's it's almost a 50-50 thing. I think it's really going to be dependent on how how his numbers look as the season continues to go on. As it stands right now, I think it's, it's pretty good. Obviously, I mentioned 14-game hit streak right now right. and uh, all that, but uh, I think it's really going to be dependent on if he keeps that up then that number goes a little higher in that six, seven, eight range. But uh, right now I would say probably in the four or five and they keep the time clock on and all that stuff. And no he, hurry. Uh, beat to the next year guy, not, not rush him. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I don't see them 
with the squad that they have any great need to have to rush him other than, you know, half the squad getting injured and they need just need bodies. JT, you know, I want to ask you, as we're seeing a young man like this come from Birmingham, double A, is, mm-hmm. this, is this the new thing that we're going to see now? Is this how the minor league system is really evolving into that they're coming up from the double uh, A? What are you seeing with that as a trend? And, are, uh, and what is triple A becoming to you? Well, I mean, if you look at it, I'm going to go back a couple of years ago to a guy like Carlos Correa, prize shortstop for the Houston Astros, brought him up from the Corpus Christi Hooks, double-A team, straight into the majors, and he had success right off the bat. If you look at most of your prize prospects right now, most of them are in double-A. They're not playing in triple-A. Triple-A seems okay. to be more for your journeymen, uh, your career minor leaguers, your guys you bring up for the you know that injury replacement or the 26th man in the doubleheader. It just seems more like AAA now is just more for staffing, uh, for lack of a better word. AA seems to be where the competition is, and AA seems to be where they get promoted from. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, can I, if I can jump on that, too, I'd yeah. say your AAA is more of your, your 40 million roster guys that are not in the majors. Like JT said, you know, your journeyman, uh, long-time minor leaguers, career minor leaguers and whatnot. And like he said, your your big your big, big, big prospects, your your number one, number two prospects in your in your organization, a lot of them are sitting down in double A and, and getting their time in down there before they come up. So that's something that fantasy players out there paying attention don't wait to and say, hey listen, well he's still gotta go through the triple A system you know, sometimes you want to go ahead and grab these guys as they're in the double A system. Now you hear what these guys are saying, they're letting you know that's where you're looking to pick your men from. If you're looking at a triple A level, you might not be looking at a guy that you should be. So uh, just pay attention. Uh, we're really starting to see a shift in that, and, and the guys nailed it on that. And something to quick, quick add to that guy like Francisco yeah. Mejia, who we've talked about on this show. He is in right. AAA Columbus for the Indians. He's in AAA because he's learning a position change. The Indians are moving him from catcher to have him play a little first base and a little bit of outfield. So it's a little mm-hmm. different situation there when you look at that. You say, oh, Francisco Mejia is in AAA. That's for a position change. So just wanted to call, qualify that. One other thing, too, real quick on it is you'll see a lot of the position players will do the AA jump, but a lot of your pitchers – they will move some a lot of the pitchers into AAA before they bring them up because it's just a different level of competition, different hitters. A lot of your AAA, like we said, are the journeymen, uh, former minor leaguers, guys that have spent time in the majors, guys mm. that uh, guys that are down there on rehab assignments, et cetera. And it gives the the prospect pitcher a little better competition for who they're throwing to. Uh, who's trying to hit against them. So a lot of your pitchers will go through AAA before they come up, but your your batters, your fielders, like we said, a lot of AA, and then to make the jump. Nice. 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 Real good. Now, let me ask you something. Uh, I asked – I just got done asking Tate this question. I'm going to ask you, JT. Uh, on Cal Quantrell, uh, give me a 1 to 10 on whether or not we see him this year. 
I'm going to go two. Ten being yes, definitely. Huh? Yeah, I'm going to say a two at this point. San Diego's got some young arms in their staff. They've got plenty of pitching. With 2016 Tommy John surgery, I think they want to – I know they don't want to rush this kid. Yeah, let him just take his time, work his way through. I think we'll see him with a chance to break Arizona next season with the team. Well, that's good because, you know, folks, for those of you, go back, check some of the podcasts out over on iTunes and all the other places you can find us. Go check out some of the reports that were given over the past couple of months. And the guys went to spring training out there in Arizona. They'll be doing the same thing next year giving everybody that early look at some of the players, what we're seeing from spring training, the guys over in Arizona, myself here in Florida, the Grapefruit League, make sure, again, we're going to be doing the coverage again next year for everybody. You know, and some of these players, one of the guys that I saw, actually I saw both these guys that uh, that uh, I'm about to talk about. You know, Tate mentioned Justice Sheffield, and I was able to see him, and I saw Chance Adams as well. And it seems like Chance is more going to the pen. They're going to put him in the pen as far as that's concerned. But the uh, as far as justice, you really don't uh, – you see any scenario where – let me ask you something. Say two starters go down on the Yankees. Do they bring up Sheffield or do they make a trade for a starter? I would I would see them – being as it's the Yankees, I'd see them more likely try to make a trade uh, right now. I mean, there, there's the possibility of justice on your 1 to 10 scale, like you said, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. whether he comes up this year or not. I'd probably put him, again, right there in the middle, maybe like a 5-6 type of thing. Um, as it gets closer to roster expansion later in the season, if they're trying to rest a guy out of the rotation, trying to give CC some extra time before the playoffs and, and guys like that, then, then maybe they bring him up for a spot start type of thing, or or whatever like that. But but I really don't see him coming up this year, in, unless there's just a big major rash of injuries or something. But uh, with them having just moved him up to AAA, I think they want to spend a majority of his time this year there and kind of look at him for a next year possible starting rotation next year, or as okay. JT mentioned maybe a long relief guy out of the bullpen last, next year. He's only he's only pl- had 84 games in the minors. And, again, a, a 2014 guy, when he started in the minors, he's only pitched right. in 84 games, only 404 innings. So in four years, 404 innings, he's not put over 100 innings on his arm yet in a season yeah. pretty much. So probably not a guy that's going to be up there long-term or anything like that right now. Uh, got – like I said, late, late, late year, maybe a spot start. You know, I, I think it's be go- for me to disagree from with anyone, but I'm going to. It's going to cost the Yankees a guy like Justice Sheffield for them to go out and trade for someone. I don't see him doing it. I I agree with you 100% on that, JT, that, that uh, it, it would cost them something to go out and make that trade. But in the scenario – of the question of will they bring justice up or will they make a trade? I'd see them making a trade before they'd bring him up. But I think it's more likely they just bring up somebody else from the minors for a spot start and leave justice down there for now. Let let me ask JT that same question then. And then I've got one more and then we'll wrap up the segment, but JT uh, same question for you then. 
the Yankees go ahead. They're they're contending. They're they're where they are, and all this is going on. And they lose two arms. Do they bring up Sheffield or do they make the trade? Well, you look at a guy like Domingo Herman, who's been a, a long reliever or reliever through most of his time. Well, mm-hmm. they give the kid a spot start the other day, six innings, nine Ks. I think the Yankees have the talent on the farm where they could maybe bring a guy like Herman into the rotation permanently. Maybe you go out and you sign a guy off off the uh, you know off the street. There's still some decent pitchers that are sitting out there without a home. You know the A's have done it with guys like Cahill, Brett Anderson, and so on. I'd see them going and signing the guy off the street and maybe putting a guy like Herman into the rotation, and then you bring Sheffield up to fill Herman's role in the rot- in the uh, in the bullpen on the backside. Nice, nice. All right, all right. I just wanted to ask you since uh, since you had a feeling uh, you know. A little different about us uh, and where uh, Sheffield's going to fit in with the Yankees. I, I I don't. I think me personally, my thing on Sheffield is this: they'll stretch him out this year for the first time to do maybe about 130 innings and uh, maybe push it to 140 and see how he responds. It'll depend on how he's responding, obviously. And then next year, do pretty much what they did with Montgomery the first year. They threw him out there for, I I think it was about 140, 144 innings or something like that, 150 innings. That's all you need out of a young guy his first year to be successful. You skip a couple starts, you put him at the fifth fifth spot in the rotation. And uh, I I don't think that they're going to go ahead and put him in the minus, but uh, in the uh, pen. Uh, last one, JT, Brendan Rogers. You mentioned him, and uh, I happen to like him a lot. I'm just confused. I don't really know. So you're when you talk about him, you're really saying that we're more likely to see a story Rogers center uh, center of that infield as opposed to a Rogers Lemayu. Oh, absolutely. And if you look at Trevor's story, the average is low, the strikeouts are high, but the defense mm-hmm. is above average. He still brings the pop. Rogers has the arm, but I don't think the athleticism to play the shortstop position. LeMahieu's going to want big money. They're not going to pay him. Rogers is a natural second baseman to me. I think that's a perfect fit for him. Good. Okay. Well, that would be something for us to keep an eye on, uh, not just in the crop report, but in other our other areas. But, guys, fantastic. As always, take great job, as always. Uh, crop report is one of the things that really – I'm really happy with the feedback that we've been getting and w- with you guys going ahead and breaking out p- people week after week and, and giving people – Fantasy players coming back and giving such great feedback. Keep up the great work, guys. We love it. Tate, thanks so much for everything. Thanks for joining us again this week. No problem. Thanks for having me. And it's been so popular, really, that segment, that we're going ahead and we're going to continue on a little bit more for you fantasy baseball people out there. We want to give you, JT and I want to talk a little bit more about that. And I just went ahead. I've got JT back in here. And uh, JT, uh, obviously now with the uh, recent DL stint for uh, Mm -hmm. Sheffield's shoulder, there's some concern there. Is this is this uh, a nightmare maybe for this kid? Uh, Is this this a sign of a guy that can't do innings? 
It seems, it, you know what, it, I was thinking that as we were listening to that segment, knowing what's going on with Justice Sheffield, uh, you know, four innings of the day, pulls from the game with uh, fatigue or soreness in his, in his pitching shoulder, kind of begs to make you wonder if he's one of those guys, kind of like uh, an Archie Bradley. Bradley wasn't necessarily for injury purposes, uh, but a guy that maybe is better suited for that closer role or that seventh, eighth inning role, maybe, you know, a two, three inning reliever like a Chris Davinsky, a you know, little fireman reliever, maybe this kid just doesn't have the physical makeup to log 200-plus innings in a season. You know, Tate alluded to the fact that he's barely touched 100 innings in any professional season so far, so it begs to, begs to ask the question, can the kid be a major league starting pitcher? And it's starting to look like maybe not. Yeah, it's starting to uh, be a concern for you Yankee fans. If you're a Yankee fan out there and keeping an eye on the situation, it has your concern, especially when you're taking a look at your starting pitching that has been pretty good at, at points and not so good at others. And now with Montgomery down and it's starting to be a little bit of more of a concern than they'd probably like in Yankee land. Folks, I promised you we're going to continue for you baseball peeps, for you fantasy baseball peeps. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to let JT go first. We're going to bring you one hitter and one pitcher each that we believe that you should go ahead and roster now that you can probably find in a lot of leagues. And we'll give you an idea of how many leagues you can find them in as we give you these people. JT, go ahead. Give us your hitter, your pitcher first. Um, let's start out in the, the, on the mound. Zach Eflin, um, ESPN leagues, he's listed as a relief pitcher. I believe he is in Yahoo as well. That should soon change. 12.2 innings, one earned, 13 Ks. A .71 ERA, .79 WHIP, 9.24 Ks per nine inning. Love those numbers across the board. This is a guy that's owned in 18.8% of leagues. So available in more than 81% of your leagues out there. Kid showed some promise in, in spurts last season for the Phillies. The Phillies have a good young team. They have some good young hitters. They can get pitchers out of jams when they have that occasional off day. But I really like the makeup of this kid. Really one of those pitchers that kind of the, uh, a throwback, if you will. He throws that high and tight fastball, backs, backs these hitters off the plate. You don't see enough of that today. These pitchers don't use the ability to get in these, these hitters' heads. This kid does, not quite understanding the uh, lack of ownership. Small, you know, small sample of stats and just under 13 innings, but something enough to say, hey, maybe this guy's worth a look at this point five weeks into the season. Yeah, exactly. Talk- uh, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to comment real quick on Eflin. Yeah, uh, yeah, for, please. What are your thoughts? Well, what it is is I just want to go ahead. For those of you who may not, may or may not know, one of my specialties is the Yahoo format uh, of their system for their money leagues. And I just yeah. wanted to throw it out there. You had mentioned uh, how he's owned. In Yahoo, it's 27%. So, yes, he is available and in Yahoo, he is listed as a starting pitcher. But the things that I like to look at right now is so far coming out of the gate with that point zero point seven nine whip. 
I, I love this player, JT. Absolutely love it. Go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. I, I had to throw in that Yahoo for those Yahoo people. Well, you, when you win as many Yahoo leagues as you, I'd say that uh, uh, gives you the credibility to do that. So this next guy, yes, you've heard me slap my gums about this guy before, and you're going to hear me do it several more times. Why is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. only owned in 12% of leagues? It's not will he come up this year. It's when he comes up this year. The guy's batting just under 400, five home runs, 38 RBIs, 13 walks, 12 strikeouts, 19 years old. He is absolutely dominating double-A baseball. He's the youngest player in double-A, and he is the best player in double-A. And as we talked earlier on the crop report, double-A is where you're seeing your stars ascend to the show. Toronto needs this kid. They're a good team. Now, the Robert Osuna situation may hurt the backside of that bullpen, but when you look at the, the Blue Jays as a whole, they are a contender for a playoff spot so far as the season goes. If that continues, there isn't a doubt in my mind that we see Guerrero Jr. up helping this team in a playoff push. And, again, I think it's going to be before the All-Star break, considerable amount before, maybe you know, middle of June, end of June at the latest, but why is he not owned? I don't care if you play in a standard league or redraft or dynasty. Get this kid on your roster, only owned in 12% of leagues. Very nice. Very nice. And it's funny because I just had a conversation with a young man in one of the Yahoo groups for fantasy baseball about Vlad Guerrero and thought I was crazy in the idea that and I was saying that there's no question that by September he'd be up and in there for your Yahoo playoffs. And uh, I, I just want to say this as far as Vlad Guerrero goes. And again, JT alluded to my knowledge on the fantasy platform for Yahoo. He's currently owned 31% in those leagues. In every Yahoo league that I have, I have him on my bench. There is not a league that I'm in that I don't own him, except for one league in all the leagues that I do play in that are, include non-Yahoo platforms. There's only one person in this world that has him, and I don't. Any idea who, JT? I have no clue who that would be. One person, folks. You know who it is. Anyway, continue on. Good stuff. Yeah, I agree on both players. I like them both, and uh, especially in, in, in coming from that Yahoo-based uh, background that I have, definitely love them for uh, with that platform. They fit well during the Yahoo playoffs, folks. Again, talk to me if you want to find out more about Yahoo playoffs and how I take a look at those things. Going ahead, while you're waiting, if you go out and you get yourself a Guerrero, but you're still hurting for third base right now, there's a guy that's still out there in 36% of Yahoo leagues, 41% of ESPN. He's currently batting second. Gives you an idea how what kind of hitter he should be. And he actually does. He's well known for his hit tool. Uh, Jameer Candelario is probably one of the more underrated third basemen out there right now because he's buried on a, a Tigers team that isn't getting a lot of press. 
And and he's one of the young guys, one of the young bats on this team that everybody really needs to start taking a look at. Now, when I take a look at this guy and understand he's not a five-category guy, if you're coming from that Yahoo platform and it's five offensive categories, he's a four-out-of-five-category guy. Right now, he's got 21 runs, five homers, 16 RBIs, carrying a 286 average which is pretty close to what I had projected them to. Now, when I take a look at some of these guys and I take a look at their minor leagues, he's been a doubles machine every year, year after year. I mean, this kid's cranking out doubles. So he's a hit machine and he's a doubles machine. And all through his minor league career, he ranged from 260 to 330 as he got used to each level. He ranged from 260 to 330 as a hitter. So for me, I've already gone ahead and projected him as a 295, potentially 295 hitter in the majors. Just seems funny, currently batting 286. So again, available in 36% of the leagues in Yahoo, somebody who'll definitely get you there uh, until, you get to, until you get to Vlad, and also is somebody that is solid in case you already missed out. Now, Going ahead, moving on to the pitching aspect of the game and and my pitcher, it is shocking to me that somebody that had such good success last year can be still available on so many platforms, whether it's ESPN or Yahoo, uh, simply because he's going to start out injured and miss the beginning of the season. There are people out there that are stashing guys that they've never seen play in a major league game. They're stashing them left and right on, uh, on teams. And you've got a guy like Jimmy Nelson who has pitched at the major league level and had success folks available in 10.9 ESPN and almost identical 11% in Yahoo. Jimmy Nelson is on a team on an offense that will continue to grow as the season progresses. They added some pieces, and now everybody's getting used to their roles, and they're trying to figure out who fits where, lineup, getting it all settled in. So by the time he gets there, roughly around All-Star break, Jimmy Nelson, a guy who pitched 175 innings last year and still almost hit 200 strikeouts. That's right. He had 199 strikeouts. For a 10.21K per nine, folks, he's sitting on the waiver wire. He had a 3.49 ERA with a 1.25 whip on the waiver wire as a starting pitcher. But people are stashing young guys who've never pitched in the majors. Okay. Last year, and this is my last, this is my piece de resistance, if you will, on Jimmy Nelson. Quality starts last year. He had 17. Now, that is right in line for my own personal. uh, What I look at is one quality start for every 10 innings, and he's right on that. With 175 innings, 17 quality starts. So, a guy that shouldn't be on the waiver wire. Just saying. JT. I got to throw something in there on Jimmy Nelson real quick. Guy yeah. that was a prized prospect in that organization, so he's got the pedigree. Um, four pitches, a fifth he's worked on a fifth pitch, but four pitches mastered at this point. 
uh, and a guy that can throw all those for strikes. So uh, I like I like to call Jimmy Nelson uh, a sneaky play for a team that that is going to contend for a playoff spot all season long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, that's uh, I don't understand if you're going out there, and this is the part I guess that really gets me is that people are stashing guys that have never pitched an inning in the majors and yet this guy's still available so for me i i like to point those kind of things out to to the crowd tonight they're, they're listening to the crop report that's all <laughs> they should listen to the crop report and the rest of the show anyway <laughs> guys gals everybody listening let's change gears we're already running over we've got a we got some time left before we actually have to shut it down we get booted out nfl fantasy boom that nobody's talking about or the fantasy bust that everyone is talking about and really shouldn't Uh, you know i'm gonna go first on the positive side i'll go first on this one out of usc and Mark Higdon might not want me talking about him because I'm sure he's trying to keep the Tampa Bay second-round pick, Ronald Jones, all to himself and under under wraps. And I can't let that happen, Mark. I am sorry, sir. Draft grade 6.01 balances out to an instant starter. That's not me. That is made up. You want to see something, me personally, I want to see him catch the ball, though. See, I think he's a fantastic runner, and despite that 4-6 speed that they're uh, saying in the 40, he is still that guy that was a 100-meter champ in high school, and he's still the guy who moonlighted for the USC track team. He still has quickness. Straight-out speed might be different. Quickness is another story. I'd like to see a little bit more out of his hands, but personally – I think this is a kid that is going to fly under fantasy radars. I saw somebody do a draft, a mock draft of a redraft league, standard 12 team, and this kid's going, I think it was the 15th round. Uh, He's going to be the starting back for the team, folks. JT, who's your guy that nobody's talking about and should? Well, there may be a few people in Kansas City talking about this guy, but I want to talk a little bit more about Pat Mahomes Jr., uh, 6'2", 230-pound quarterback for Andy Reid's offense. That's all you need to know. Go back and show me when Andy Reid hasn't had a fantasy-relevant quarterback because I can't find a time where he made Alex Smith fantasy-relevant. That should be – that's how you lead off your resume. So when I look at this kid, I look at a guy <laughs> – I look at a guy in college his senior year completed 60, almost 60 – Six percent of his passes, people he threw 591 balls for over 5,000 yards, 41 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Played in a big conference last time I checked too, so it wasn't like he played at Southwest Montana State. The guy played in the big time college. I look at a guy that got thrown into the mix last year in Week 17 when Andy Reid said, "Hey, we want to rest all of our starters going into the playoffs." So hey, Pat Mahomes. I know we jumped up from 27 to 10 to pick you in the first round. We're going to throw you out there with no Travis Kelsey, no Tyree Kill, no Albert Wilson, no Kareem Hunt. And the kid still went on to go 22 out of 35. That's 63% completion, 284 yards, 
didn't get a touchdown, did get a pick, but I look at a guy with no tools around him, was able to go out there against the Denver Bronco team and do fairly well. This is a guy that I think people need to pay attention to. I think he needs to be drafted a little higher than some of the leagues I've seen him going in some of the mock drafts. He's got Sammy Watkins. He's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Travis Kelsey. And the one guy that people aren't talking about, there's this guy that two years ago caught a ton of balls out of the backfield named Spencer Ware, who's back this season, along with Kareem Hunt. I think those two guys will keep each other fresh, and I think they're going to be utilized big in the passing game. You saw what Alex Smith could do downfield with Tyreek Hill. Now watch what Pat Mahomes Jr. is going to do. Yeah, I, I like the kid's arm. I like the kid's gumption. I mean, he's he's what you know. It's funny. Everybody liked it when it was Brett Favre. Oh, he's a gunslinger. He'll throw that ball right. down the field. Pat Mahomes does it. Oh well, I don't know if he should be. Uh, the kid's got an arm. Let him go. Let it let it ride. And Andy Reid's about and to accurate. let it ride. I just am a little upset that at the top of the resume, um, you have Alex Smith for poor Andy Reid and not Donovan McNabb, but all right. Hey, at least McNabb had had some (laughs) physical tools, okay? Other than being a tool, he actually had some physical tools as well. (laughs) Alex Smith has a wet noodle for an arm, okay? He makes Chad Pennington look like Dan Marino. So let's, let's just be realistic about that. When you can say you turned Alex Smith fantasy relevant, you lead with your best foot, that's your best foot. And if you're Rex Ryan, you stay away from feet completely. Wow. And, you know, they have the nerve to warn people about me. Right now, we just scratched off Donovan McNabb's family from ever being fans, Alex Smith and his family from being fans, and uh, I'm sorry, your last one there was... Rex Ryan. Oh, yeah, Rex. My My heart is breaking wide open that we've would not have those people as fans this evening. Um, you know, there'll be about a tenth of a second where I'll be completely inconsolable, but I'll get over it. You see, people, uh, this is the kind of crap that I have to put up with. I'm the one with the reputation of, oh, he's got a big mouth. He'll, he'll tell people off. You're a bad influence, this. man. I'm, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Could we get a half a dozen of our friends to call in right now, please, on that one? Uh, God, oh, wow, look at the phone lines light up. Stop it. Uh-huh. Is... uh-huh. uh-huh. So, so I'm a bad now, influence. Now, go, anyway. now, now show, show everybody the tiger stripes here. Now go gesture negative for me. Who's your bust? Okay. Since I'm a bad influence, I might as well show why, folks. Uh, I'd have to go with everybody's darling of the draft. Everybody loves this guy. And 31 other teams made a mistake. Well, oh, Jackson. here we go. Sorry, folks. What if 31 were right? What if he really has problems handling the pass rush, and that matters? More so, his inconsistent accuracy is never what you want from your quarterback. Can he run? Yes. Can he extend the play? Yes. But once defenses realize that Mike Vick 
was inaccurate from one side, the teams that had success against him pushed him to that side. He has a tendency of inaccuracy. He has a problem with the pass rush. What do you think the NFL defenses are going to do to him then? If he couldn't handle it with the college defenses and the ones that he faced, stop. I think that kid, you know what? Here's what happens. 31 NFL teams were right. I guess I can scratch off Lamar Jackson and his family now. Mm. See, and so at that point, then, would you say that five rounds worth of NFL teams were right on Tom Brady and Terrell Davis and Antonio Brown? No. They were dead wrong, without a question. I'm going to tell you. you I'm saying the one time I'm going to agree. I'm going to bet that 31 teams were right. 52% completion percentage as a freshman, 55% as a sophomore, 59% as a junior. What I see there, I see a guy that's learning how to play the game and learning how to throw the football. I see a jump each season right there. You can't ask for more than that. And the last time I checked, I can. Ozzie Newsom is a Hall of Fame general manager. I'm going to go with Ozzy on that one. So, but but let, let me go let me go to another team here. Let's talk about a six foot one, two hundred and twenty eight pound running back from last season's draft in Joe Mixon, guy that a lot of people mm-hmm. are high on. I go back and look last year, fourteen games, one hundred and seventy eight carries, six hundred twenty six yards. Folks, that's three and a half yards a carry, four touchdowns. The one part of his game I did like, caught 30 out of 34 targets for 287 yards. That's just under 10 yards a catch. So he's got some ability in the passing game to help out. But I look at a guy that's, again, 6'1", 230 pounds, who plays soft. I look at a guy that left games because he got a little nick, a ding. Sorry, dude. If you're that size, you should be a hoss. You're a big man. Get in there. Take a hit. Go through the line. Let me, let me see something. Let me see – Let's put it this way. If your heart size matched your physical listing of the 6'1", 228, then maybe we'd have something there. But Cincinnati, if you could take Giovanni Bernard's physical makeup, throw it aside, take the metal makeup and the heart and put it in Joe Mixon's body, you'd have something. Otherwise, this is a guy – I just don't see it. Not all the top running backs come in and do what they're supposed to do. I think this is another one of those in the long line of overdrafted and I, I think this is your bust at the running back position this season. Will be overdrafted. People will not be happy with what they get. Folks, welcome to Making Friends with the Jester Show. As we continue on, what in the name hey, of Bankers Friends? It is show business, folks. And show business is running over, let me tell you. Uh uh, good stuff. Uh, I, I I really I was very disappointed in, in Mixon last year, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you are correct on that one. I got to be honest with you, very disappointed. I thought that young man had a little bit more in him, and if heart is an issue, uh, there's no success to follow. You got to have heart in whatever you do to be successful. You do, and you can't go down on the first hit. I mean, you, you just you can't go down on the first hit. Not in the NFL, folks. Not in the NFL. The idea is you're supposed to be – it is your job, The it is your blocker's job to clear a somewhat of a path. It is your job to make that first 
man miss. If you go yep. down, that's even worse. So, uh, you know what, JT, we're running over. Let's let's finish it out over. What the hell? Uh, IDP people are listening probably. Uh, for those fantasy people, fantasy football players uh, that have IDP, you got anybody you're throwing out there? Well, you know, there's a guy that I'm sure we'll talk about more on with Fins on Fins with Ryan and company. Uh, but a guy mm. last year as a rookie for the Miami Dolphins before the knee injury was said to already have elevated himself to a starter in Raekwon McMillan. I think this is a guy that people aren't thinking about this year. This is a guy that's all over the field, a guy that wraps up kind of the old school Greg Lloyd, LeVon Kirkland type for you Steeler fans out there, guys that don't just try to lay the lumber, but guys that wrap you up at the same time. Kid also knows how to do that kind of that peanut Tillman punch. If you ever watch him finish a tackle, uh, since, you know, punching seems to be a theme on the show tonight. Uh, but Raekwon McMillan, a guy that I expect big things from this year, and I expect well over 140 tackles from this guy. So uh, somebody I'm looking at in my IDP dress. Okay, nice. Good stuff, good stuff. And you know what? I It's a shame on me because, you know, it's funny you decided uh, to go ahead and go with uh, a Dolphin and – I've got to, I'm going to stick with my home team too, because he'll be a guy in a bunch of my leagues. I'll be targeting as Alec Ogletree. I mean, he's sitting in a really good position on a defense. That's going to be an attacking defense. He's got some hogs in front of him and guys that are going to create some problems. People were worried about, Oh, well, what about JPP and all that stuff? But you know what? We still have Damon Harrison, good old snacks. We have last year's second round pick and, uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, a guy you're familiar with, okay, uh, Olivier Vernon, and a third-round pick, a guy that people were very uh, high on and, and surprised that the Giants were able to get him in the third round in B.J. Hill. Uh, going to take a lot of those blockers on and leave it wide open for Ogletree to be a tackling machine this year, folks. Uh, I really see Big, big IDP numbers from him. Let's, we got to wrap it up. It is out. We are almost out of time. We're getting there. Uh, one of the things, though, before I leave, I'd be remiss. Folks, I have to go ahead and share this with all of you out there. And especially because uh, nothing irks my co-host more than this. Yankees win! Ah, Yankees win! It's been a great week in Yankee land and an even better fantasy jester show. What in the name of bangers and mash. Thanks everybody for joining us next week. <laughs> Pay attention during the week on Facebook, Twitter, and all that. Okay. We've got some surprises coming next week. Join us. Hi, this Jester. is Bob Tewksbury, former major league pitcher and author of 90% mental. And you've been listening to Jester fantasy or fantasy Jester shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could, you could you could use that. You could. Can I? I might. Yeah, all right with you. No, I think it'd be funny. It was, and he's great. Thanks everybody for joining us. I am the jester. I'm out of here. <laughs>